Oh, hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here. How you doing? It's great to be back in this chair. Don't mind me having a little sip of, a little cuppa. Um, I, I love doing these live streams. I wish I had more time to do it, and, and I hope in the weeks and months ahead I will. I'm going to try and do more journalism. Hey, did you know I got invited to go on Tim Pool's show? I'm going to be doing that next week. And um, I'm going to try and get out and about. I'm going to cover uh, a tr the trial not the full trial because it's a many day uh, multifaceted trial. But remember Chris Scott? He is the owner of the Whistle Stop Diner in the small town of Mirror, Alberta. Our chief reporter, Sheila Gunn Reed, has been carrying the heavy burden of that reportage for years now. He was a small town diner, general store. I think he's got a gas station there. Like in, in a town, Mirror, Alberta, I think it's maybe a thousand citizens. So you're not, you don't have a bunch of places to go for basics, for basic groceries, for gas and stuff like that. He probably had the, the post office outlet there too. And if he shuts down, what do you got to do? You got to go all the way to Red You got to schlep another hour. So he, like it's such a small town. My high school, Western Canada High School, had 1,800 kids. The town of Mirror, I'd have to Google it. I think it's 1,000 people. So you live there, you know everybody, you know what's up, you know everybody's business. <clears throat> and yeah, there's Sheila, throw that on the screen, some B-roll. Sheila went down there and hung out there, and I have not yet been there. It's, it's like an everything store, general store in the old uh, uh, school tradition of it. And it looks like he makes some great burgers too. And that's the thing. Okay, you and I, in the big cities, we're used to eating out, but in a place like Mirror, Alberta... There's not a lot of places to go out to eat. I, I think it might actually just be this place. So imagine that's being shut down. And, and I think Chris Scott's attitude was, look, I'm going to open up and people who are scared of this vaccine, of this virus rather, people who obey Teresa Tam and Anthony Fauci and believe everything they think in the, in the media don't have to come. And it could be a matter of personal choice. And I'm sure it divided the town as it divided the nation. But the, the enforcement officials have pursued him with such a, a vitriolic vendetta. It's incredible. And the reason I know this is because I've seen some of the disclosure in the legal proceedings against Chris Scott. This is a very long way of saying, instead of just hanging out here at our world headquarters, I'm going to get out in the field. I'm going to go out there. There's an important hearing. I think it's on April 12th in the courthouse in Red Deer. Because the government is hiding documents from Chris Scott. And that's the thing. You may know that when you go to court, you have the right to all the evidence that is relevant in the possession of the prosecution. Especially exculpatory evidence. That's a fancy way of saying stuff that shows you're innocent. Obviously, the police are going to show you stuff that makes you look guilty. That's no favor to you. But the law requires that if you're being prosecuted, the crown, that is the prosecution, has to show you the good, the bad, and the ugly, police notes, internal emails, wiretaps, everything like that. And they've been hiding it. And in fact, it only came out because at the last hearing, 
one of the dopey prosecution cops, health cops, said, oh, you wanted all those emails too, where I would come back from the office and banter about what I did, and we would scheme against Chris Scott and try and find out who his landlord was and pressure him and try and find out who his insurance was and pressure them and pressure his family. Oh, you want that stuff too that shows our prosecutorial misconduct? Oh, duh, I didn't know I had to give you that. Crooked, crooked timber. So if I'm not mistaken, on April 12th is the day that Chad Williamson, the rock and roll cowboy lawyer for Chris Scott, demands from a judge that the government be ordered and compelled to live up to their constitutional duty to disclose to Chris Scott all of their dirt, not just on him, which of course they would willingly give, but their own dirty business. And I think it's going to be a very important matter. And I don't know if Sheila's going to be coming down. I'd be thrilled if she came down. We could have one of those Whistle Stop burgers. If you go on the Whistle Stop website, you can find their menu. And they've got this huge burger. It's got to be like a pound of meat. It's almost like, you know, in, in, in those uh, B movies where there's a place that if you finish the entire meal within 60 minutes – no one's ever done it. So if you actually do it, it's for free. It's almost that size of a burger. The Whistle Stop. Or yeah, throw, the, throw their website on. on. Anyway, I've not been to the Whistle Stop yet. But for heaven's sakes, if I'm going all the way to Red Deer, yeah, 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 show that. They got some good grub. Can you click on their menu? Like it's more than just, like it's a truck stop. It's a cafe. I think it's a gas station. I haven't been there. And um, if they got the menu, I want to show it because I am I have been thinking about that giant burger. Okay, maybe their website needs a little bit. It looks like he's got some merch there. Anyhow, Chris Scott, oh, my God, just a rebel. Well, there he is a rebel. Absolutely, he's a rebel. Don't worry if you can't find it. Anyways, uh, I've been thinking about this burger for about two years. And by the way, I met a couple of guys who flew in to uh, patronize his establishment, they flew in by helicopter. They flew in by helicopter. I think Sheila was there when that happened, and I later bumped into those guys. They were so excited they, about this one business person who was fighting for freedom and keeping his shop open. They literally flew in by chopper to patronize. So if I understand my day correctly, I'm going to be zipping out to Calgary, driving up to Red Deer. I'm going to live tweet from the trial, say hello to Chris Scott, and hopefully get out there to mirror in person to get me one of them hamburgers and maybe take a second one back to Toronto with me to feed the entire clan. That's a very long way of saying I'm looking forward to getting out in the field and doing a little bit of journalisming. You know what? When I was in Davos in January and when I and I bumped into Greta Thunberg and I bumped into Albert Buller Pfizer, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I look back at those vids, both of which went viral, and all, of course, all I see are the flaws and the errors. Oh, I should have asked that or I should have done that. But you know what? I still got a real kick out of it. And uh, at least in those two cases, I, I, I felt like I had. Uh, some questions to ask, because there's me. Uh, that was me on the left, if you, in case you're wondering. Because um, I, I felt like I, I had been following Greta for years, 
And I was actually surprised I had the chance to ask her questions. I had to control myself because she's a very small person physically. And of course, she's a, a, a soft-spoken woman. Well, she's not soft-spoken when she's scolding. But you, you got to be careful you don't come across as a bully. Uh, and I don't think we did. And with Albert Bula, frankly, I could have been more bullyish because he's such a scoundrel. Um, my point is I really enjoyed getting out into the field. And both of those, there was an element of luck that we just happened upon Greta Thunberg. Actually, we waited two hours for her in the cold outside of a building, and they tried to hide uh, the fact that she was still in there. And with Albert Burla, it was uh, pure luck that we encountered him outside the um, high security perimeter of the, um, of the Davos sort of inner sanctum. But luck favors the bold, and you gotta get out there, and you gotta wait sometimes. So I really enjoyed those, and I want to do some more of that. You know, we send our people on journeys. <clears throat> we uh, recently, uh, just last week, we had our British journalist, Callum Smiles, in the Netherlands covering the farmer rebellion out there. It's easier for them to get to Holland because it's just across, you know, it's really, it's probably not even a one-hour flight from London to Amsterdam. So, you know, I think Callum did a really good job out there, and he was out there with our cameraman producer also. It would be a long journey to schlep from Toronto to there, but I want to get out there. I want to get out into the field again. And, uh, you know, because there's so much news that you can get. There's so many little flashes of color, colorful anecdotes that you only get by being there, that you only get by being there. And, you know... Um, Everyone wants to be a pundit and a commentator, and that is valuable. People, we need the battle of ideas, but what is the raw material of punditry? Obviously, it's primary news gathering. And if you allow the left to have a monopoly in primary news gathering, they have the largest bias factor of all. What do they show and what do they hide? What do they leave on the cutting room floor, as they used to say in the age where there was actual film and you would cut it and leave it on the floor. That's how they used to edit back in the day. When they said cut, they actually meant cut. So for example, Albert Bourla has been interviewed 200 times over the last three years, but just not with a particular set of questions. And Greta Thunberg has been interviewed endlessly, but they're more stenography than challenging questions. So having actual news gatherers in the field, I think, is a comparative advantage of Rebel News. It's one of my favorite things that we do. And I'm going to try and do a little bit more of it myself. I was really glad that we sent a team down there to Ohio, to East Palestine, which is where that train derailed. And then they had a controlled burn of some toxic chemicals. I'm glad we sent our people down there. I'm not sure if we had the ability to stay there for like a month, which uh, was probably required, but, but we were there for a few good days. So I want to do some more of that, and I'm going to be doing some of that uh, in a couple of weeks there in Red Deer, Alberta. And I'm going to be down in Tim uh, Poole's show uh, seven days from today, so that's not really doing journalism, but it'll be nice to be on that platform. He's got a great audience. But today I want to talk about some fun stuff that we're covering. And I, I want to start with a strange video that I saw on social media. I saw it on TikTok and then I saw it on Twitter. 
And it's from Ontario. I'm not sure if it's from Toronto proper or, or where. And uh, on Twitter alone, it's got a third of a million views, this video. And then, it, I, I, as you can see, it's actually originally from TikTok, which is where I saw it. So this thing's been seen a million times. Now, Olivia, can I sort of say stop and can you pause it in certain places? Um, this is a video, and I think it's legit. Like, I don't think the cops here are his buddies making I think this is real. This is a guy who happens to be black, and the cops come to his house, and they make demands of him, and he's a young guy. I'm going to guess he, he might even be a teenager, or maybe he's early 20s. Like, he's not in his 30s or his 40s. He may even be a student. I think it's his parents' house is what I, the, the last moments of it tell me. So this is, a, I'm, I don't know if he's a minor. I don't know if he's under 18. But that probably is, is relevant, his age. He's such a nice guy. He's, he's so Canadian in that he's so friendly and cooperative. But folks, I am here to tell you, sometimes you should not be friendly and cooperative in life. And I know it's human nature to do what you're told, especially if a cop comes to your house and you're 17 and the cop says, blow in this breathalyzer. Well, what are you going to say? No. Is he going to arrest you? Is he going to take you away? Is he going to handcuff you? Who are all these people? What are your rights? What's his explanation? So without further ado, let's play this video. And Olivia, I might say stop because I might want to comment on something before playing the whole thing. How long is the whole clip? It's about two minutes. You know, it feels longer because there's so much happening in it. So I might say halt just if I want to talk about something. Okay, let's play this clip. I sympathize with this guy. I like this guy. He He's obviously a law-abiding guy. He's obviously a nice guy. He's obviously a cooperative guy, friendly guy. Seems like a good egg. But all of those positive qualities I just described put him at a disadvantage when dealing with a cop who I believe was acting outside the law and certainly unethically. Take a look. No worries, man. It's no biggie. The cops are here. We had to do a breath lighter test because I don't... We were weaving in and out so of traffic. We received a traffic complaint from the OPP. Oh, wait, wait. It's not going. So, yeah, yeah. We received a traffic complaint from the OPP mm -hmm. uh, advising of a possible impairment. Uh, you're swerving in and out of lanes. Yep. So now I'm here to administer an alcohol screening device. So right now, I demand that you provide a sample of your breath into an, into an approved screening device for, for proper analysis of that breath to be made okay. and for you to accompany me for that purposes now. Okay. You understand? Yeah, I understand. Okay, so I'll demonstrate it once. I'm mm -hmm. going to turn the machine on. Okay, pause there for oh a gosh, sec. The police are really here. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? Yeah, just click pause for a second. So I'm looking at him now. I th how old would you say he is, Olivia? You think he's 25, so I'm wildly off when I say he could be like 17 or 18. You could be right. Now, there's three people that we see here. There's that other lady, and then there's, of course, the person with the camera. I'm guessing they're siblings. Okay, you think he's 25? Could be. He's so clean-shaven, I can't tell. I mean, I'm getting old. Everyone looks young to me. But did you hear what the cop said? So the cop looks like he's with a local police force. I, I don't know if he's Toronto or Brampton or whatever. But the cop says... The OPP, that's the Ontario Provincial Police. So some other cops said you were sw swerving. So I've come to your house to take a breathalyzer from you to see if you were drunk. Okay, so, so where are those other cops? And did they see me? And how do you know I was the driver? And I've been at home? And how do you know I haven't been drinking at home? 
And if it was such a problem, why didn't the cops pull me over? And who are you? And what was the witness? And was the cop who saw, where's the cop who saw me? This is a game of broken telephone. You're just sending people to my house and on what, and, and you come up on my property with no search warrant because some other cop said to. This is what's running through my mind, but I used to, I mean, I'm a lawyer by profession. I haven't been a member of the Law Society. I haven't practiced in uh, more than 10 years. But I don't even think you need to be a lawyer to know that a guy coming to your house and asking for a sample from you, your breath, your blood, your urine, these are things that sometimes police take samples of, your hair, for DNA. Um, you and what search warrant? Just so some cop says I was swerving and we don't see that cop and that cop isn't here and it obviously wasn't important enough for that cop to stop me and that cop communicated to you in some way we don't know what that way was and you've come to my house and there's three of us standing at the door and are you sure it was me and where's your search warrant and and why are you asking for these things without saying you don't have to give it well because the cops will get away with whatever they can get away with this keep playing the clip You back up you take, you take one deep, <laughs> one, one, we, we roll in pairs. So you take a deep breath in, mm -hmm. make a tight seal around the tube, mm -hmm. and blow out just like you're blowing up a balloon. So. And then it'll click, okay. it'll stop, it'll think for a minute, and then it says zero because I don't have any alcohol in my system. Okay. Okay? Think you can do that? Absolutely. All right. Here. How you guys doing? Good. Hey, guys. No offense, I just want to know, like, you guys need to, all these people here? So he's getting trained by that fellow there. I got you, okay. okay. And, and when, I, when, when I show up alone, they always send a second person you. just in case things go squirrely, okay. right? Because imagine if you were impaired, yeah. some people yeah, don't want to get arrested, strong. right? Yeah. It would be a big fight. Yeah. So I'm going to pop this fresh straw on for you. Okay. Okay, stop for a second. Are you nervous? Who, who are all those people? And what are they all doing on his property? And I, I couldn't quite make it up in, in my earphone, but I heard this earlier. Did they say one of them was like a was like a, a student or something or a trainee? Did they say that, Olivia? I, they said that in some part of this video. I had a little trouble hearing it in, in my earpiece. And he said, oh, we just have, in case you're drunk and, and things get out of hand, if we need to arrest you. Okay, well, if he's not arrested now, why should he even be talking to you? In fact... What are you doing on his private property? What are you doing on his property? And again, this guy, he's so friendly, isn't he? This black guy, I don't know if he's a kid. I thought he was younger. You think he's 25. You're probably right. He's not 17. So he's not a minor. But I think he's obviously stressed, and his reaction under stress is to be super friendly and gregarious. Uh, but I don't think he's relaxed. I don't think he's happy. I think just when he's under stress... He just smiles a lot and is becoming very solicitous. And um, and all of a sudden, a whole bunch more cops are right behind him. And then he says, what are you doing here? Well, in case things get out of hand, we're here to arrest you. Well, right there, I hear that he's not under arrest. So what are you doing on the property? And what are you demanding things of him from? This is not a check stop. This is not a roadside check stop. The legality of roadside check stops has been challenged all right, fine, we're not going to talk about that today, but you're going to his house after the fact. There's no continuity here. You claim 
or you claim you heard hearsay that he was swerving, not bad enough that he was pulled over, and, and you've come to his house an hour later, two hours later, has he had something to drink at lunch? You, you, you don't ask that. And this guy is obviously afraid. He's surely unarmed. You got a bunch of a cops with guns coming to the door saying, if you don't cooperate, if things go uh, pear-shaped, we're here to arrest you. Well, get off my property before I sue you for trespass, you bullies. Play a little more. Chris? Me? No, I'm not nervous. <laughs> I already passed my test. <laughs> All right, my man. So deep breath in. Seal and breathe out. Hard, hard, hard. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Perfect. And it's going to think for a second. And it says you're ah! <laughs> You're golden. All right. Uh, I'm not yeah, sure we're friends now. Give me a fist from. bump. Maybe you were on your phone. No, Maybe I don't. Look no, 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 no. I don't know, but I'm, I'm satisfied that there's no impairment here. So I appreciate you being so cooperative and helpful. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, handshakes so, all around. Yeah, we're yeah, friends yeah. now. I gave yes, your house and terrified you. Oh, God. It actually continues a bit. He goes upstairs. Uh, the version I saw, I think it was on TikTok, he goes upstairs to talk to his parents. You, you saw when he blew zero, that laugh, that, that explosion of emotional relief and release. And then that guy, hey, give me a high five, man. We're friends. I came here with the threat of arresting you. No search warrant. I came onto your property. I reached through your door jam. I demanded you give me a sample, none of which had a legal basis. But we're friends, right? And you wonder why people hate police and fear police. Hey, give me a fist bump because we're Canadian. When we break the law, when we intimidate you, when we don't tell you your rights, when we come on your property and trespass without a search warrant, we're Canadian. Hey, yeah, a handshake. Handshakes all around. We're friends. We're friends. Look at that guy. He's the stress of his life there. What do you think, Olivia? Am I wrong? What is this? Hey, some cop said you were swerving. I've come to your house. Well, either he was swerving or he wasn't. Maybe you were on your cell phone. No, I wasn't. Well, if you were certain I, I was swerving, charge me with swerving. Pull me over. I'll tell you one thing. Now, I'll admit, I'll admit in the moment it's hard to do it. I remember some cops came to our office here once. And I wasn't at the front door. And this was years ago. And the young lady at the front door... Let the cops in or maybe call. I can't remember exactly how it went down. But when the cops come in with great charisma and confidence and urgency and they assume the clothes, that's cops often assume you'll just do what they say. And they their body language and their, their form of communication is so confident. They don't even allow you to think for a second that it's optional, that it's elective, that it's voluntary. Through sheer projection of psychological force, they can get you to do many things that they have no legal authority to do so. And I remember when the cops came in here and I've replayed that moment in my head 20 times. And if I, and, and I'm not blaming myself and I'm not blaming the young lady who went to the door. Absolutely, I, I tell you, I'm not because in fact, I'm sort of making the point of how hard it is. I'm a former lawyer. 
I think about the law a lot. I think about civil liberties a lot. I think about private property a lot. And even I allowed myself to be bamboozled. The cops coming in here, they were searching for a guy. I won't go into the details. I, if I could redo that again, I would say to the cops, get off this property in 30 seconds or give me your names because I'm going to sue you for trespass. And I probably would have gone into the office and the guy they were coming for, it was a nothing offense, by the way, and he was acquitted. It was complete BS. It was, they were trying, what they were doing, and, and I, I'm not identifying who this person is, I, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to. They were trying to embarrass one of my employees in my eyes by raiding the office to give him some charge on. So it was a stupid thing. And he was acquitted of it in the end. And it was not a violent thing in any way, not a fraudulent thing in any way. It's just a BS thing. It was so obvious in retrospect that they were trying to embarrass this guy in the face of his fellow employees and in my eyes, thinking maybe I would fire him. Because if they didn't have a case against him, Maybe they could ruin his life by making me fire him. I did not fire him. And I guess all I'm saying is, in the moment when police come in, high kinetic energy, confidence, volume, take you by surprise, your reaction is to comply. Like that lad did, and his two, I assume they were brothers and sister or whatever. I think there was a sister and maybe a brother. The instinct is to comply. So I'm, I'm not judging too harshly because I just told you a story of when I myself was bamboozled. But if I could do it again, and if I advice for you, and, and it would be ask for a search warrant. Say you do not consent to the search. Now, if they provide a warrant or provide some compelling and convincing legal explanation why you must submit to a search, fine, don't do it. Certainly don't fight them physically. But I tell you this, if some cop knocked on our front door, I would say, what is your business here? I wouldn't be rude off the bat. I would not. But I would say, what is your business here? And if they said, we want this, this or that, I would say, show me your warrant or get off this property before I call the police on you. And you know what? After three years of... COVID lockdown policing. I don't think police deserve the benefit of the doubt with a warrantless search because we saw how so many cops were willing to abase themselves by being mask police, six feet of separation police. Absolute disgrace to the badge and their oath they took. Canada was amongst the worst. Speaking of bringing the administration of justice into disrepute. What they're contemplating doing in New York is one of the gravest threats to the rule of law in America, certainly in my lifetime and maybe in a hundred years. I am talking about an extremist prosecutor in New York elected with, with less than 100,000 votes, a Soros candidate. Soros had the Attorney General Project and the Secretary of State Project, which is just what it sounds like. You can try and win the presidency, and, you know, it's very, very important. The major parties spend a billion dollars each on that campaign. A billion, with a B, 
and then all the super PACs and all the free labor involved. It is a multi-billion dollar contest. And of course, it is the biggest prize of all, the presidency. But if you had a million dollars and you wanted to make a difference, you would probably look to get an attorney general in various states or districts. District attorney. U.S. attorney. I don't know who's appointed and who's elected. I don't, I don't understand the American system well enough, but some of them are elected. And the secretaries of state, same thing. They control the elections. The, the secretary of state is what they call the foreign minister of the United States. The federal secretary of state is the foreign minister. But the secretary of state in each individual state, one of their most important duties is running the elections. And so George Soros is smarter than your average bear, and he's certainly richer. And so while he does spend tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars every election season on the presidency and Congress and the Senate, he is also savvy enough to spend tens of millions of dollars across America putting in radical attorneys general in important states. And one of them has decided that he is going to try and cobble together some sort of case against Donald Trump that, that no one has thought of before and that has been examined before by the Biden campaign, by every, every Democrat lawyer, every schemer, scammer. They all, oh, he's going to jail over Stormy Daniels. He's going to jail over Russiagate. The walls are closing in. It's about his taxes. Every single one of those scams and schemes that the media thought, oh, for sure we got him now. Every one of them failed. But it certainly managed to denormalize Trump and create a feeling of panic and chaos during his administration. He's been out of office now for more than two years. And some extremist... Um, prosecutor has said, I am going to charge, arrest, handcuff, jail, prosecute Trump for that same Stormy Daniels thing. Now, uh, the Stormy Daniels, you'll remember, was a stripper who claims Donald Trump had sex with her. Could be. Donald Trump apparently paid her uh, about $130,000 to get her to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which suggests I acknowledge, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, but then Donald Trump later fought with her in court, won, I think, $300,000, and Stormy Daniels' lawyer, Michael Avenatti, if I recall his name, is in prison. <laughs> here, let me read this story. What, what paper is this from here? Scroll up to the top. BBC, why not? How the Trump Stormy Daniels saga unfolds. Let's read a little bit. President Donald Trump has been invited to testify over allegations that the money is this is this a recent story? Okay, got it. So so let's go to the so like I say, this has all been aired before. And I'll tell you how it get me the latest news. I think you showed it there before. So in the end, this turned into a big nothing. Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels' lawyer, himself is in jail. 
Stormy Daniels, I think, had to pay Trump $300,000. So it wasn't, oh, my God, the walls are closed. How many times did you hear that the walls are closing? Yeah, let me read this political story here, the one you have there. Yeah, just scroll up to the top. I'll read a bit here just to make sure everyone's up to speed. Start with the headline. I'll just read the headline there. Trump indictment could land as early as Monday. That's today. Sending law enforcement scrambling. A grand jury is expected to charge Trump late Monday or Wednesday, according to three people involved in the deliberations. Okay, scroll down just a little bit. New York law enforcement officials are meeting at NYPD headquarters in lower Manhattan on Monday afternoon to plan for a possible indictment of former President Donald Trump on charges stemming from payments to a porn star. A person involved in the planning told political an indictment by a grand jury is expected late Monday or Wednesday, according to people involved in deliberations. We'll be discussing how we bring Trump in, the person involved in the planning said, adding no decisions have been made yet. The meeting will include members of the NYPD, the U.S. Secret Service, court officers, and officials from Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office. The person said Bragg convened the grand jury investigating the payments. Okay, just to be crystal clear, these impayments have been investigated. They have been aired. They have been litigated. And Trump actually won those fights. But they weren't up against Alvin Bragg's before. He's that Soros district attorney. And that's the thing. There's certain jurisdictions in America that are so deep blue, so partisan Democrat, that, I, that conservatives and Republicans have no chance in a court. They just no fair trial. So that's why the January 6th, I'm not even going to call it a riot, the great meandering through Congress led by police who opened doors, unlocked doors, um, those folks have been in prison for two years, some of them in solitary, because you've just got judges and juries in deep blue, deep Democrat districts that you're never going to get a fair trial. They're so extremely, rabidly partisan. Same thing, I think, with Manhattan. You've got a city that is 90% Democrat. Is that, is that how New York goes? Not, at least 80% Democrat, probably 90%. And you've got a radical Soros district attorney. And even though he's just picking over the remains of litigation that was already resolved in Trump's favor years ago, well, so what? He can get a grand jury together and he is going to handcuff and jail Donald Trump. And it sounds like, uh, you're right, how would that happen? Well, he's got a Secret Service police. So you got the NYPD. Are they going to arrest Trump? And what's the Secret Service going to do? So they got to figure that out. Here, let me read a little bit more of that um, political story, if you don't mind. A court spokesperson said there's nothing to report since no charges have been filed. Well, that doesn't stop the Democrats from leaking. Spokespeople for the Secret Service and District Attorney's Office did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Oh, sure they did. They just provided it off the record. The NYPD state of readiness remains constant at all times for all contingencies, an NYPD spokesperson said. Our communications and coordination with our partners in government and law enforcement are fundamental tenets of the commitment to public safety. That doesn't say anything, does it? Attorney Robert J. Costello, who once advised former Trump lawyer Michael D. Cohen, is scheduled to testify before the grand jury Monday afternoon. Cohen has said he will be a rebuttal witness to Costello, who may question Cohen's credibility. Oh, you think? You think? Cohen himself is a confessed, convicted liar, and I think he's a perjurer. He served time in jail, and he's the star witness against Trump. But of course he is. Uh, just like Michael Avenatti was the star who was 
I don't know if you remember this Avenatti fellow. He, he certainly did the circuit. CNN had him on all the time. He even did the CBC. He was, he was on The View. Um, they all said he was going to run for president for the Democrats and be the Trump killer. He is rotting in jail for trying to shake down, I think it was Nike, trying to shake down Nike. It wasn't even Trump that put Avenatti in prison. It was Avenatti's own misconduct. Yeah, put this on the page here. Yeah, perfect. Good, good, fine. Thank you. Lawyer Michael Avenatti sentenced to 14 years in federal prison for stealing millions of dollars from clients and tax fraud. So I think he actually stole from Stormy Daniels as well. And I think it was the Nike shakedown that got him in trouble. Anyways, so, uh, and, and Michael Cohen, I, I don't remember what he was sentenced for, but this is who they're, using to cobble together the case against Trump. So um, Hunter Biden, all the evidence is released from his laptop. Biden has never denied that that is Hunter Biden's laptop. The drug use, the prostitutes, the payoffs, the payments, the millions of dollars in contracts for, for uh, a no-show job, billions of dollars in other funds. I mean, here's Joe Biden denying a million dollars in payments to a family from a Hunter Biden associate, even though bank records show the payment was made. A, a million dollar payment to a family member. I forget what the name. That's not true, Biden said, disputing financial records. The show Hunter, Jim, and Haley Biden received lucrative payments from one of Hunter's business associates. So the bank records show it. All Biden has to say is, that's not true. And, okay, no problem. Uh, maybe we can wrestle up something about uh, Donald Trump and uh, Stormy Daniels. Yeah, that's the ticket. But I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Uh, the Trump derangement syndrome is real. Trump still remains the leading candidate in the Republican uh, presidential primary. Um, I don't. I think Nikki Haley is the only one who's declared officially yet. I think Mike Pence is thinking of throwing his hat in the ring. I think Mike Pompeo is two. And of course, Ron DeSantis is on a book tour right now. I think it's pretty clear he's going to run. And most straw polls put him in second place, but Trump is the one to beat. And of course, the media party is trying to demonize DeSantis because they see he's actually um, got the policies of Trump, but he's he has fewer of the he's less colorful. Now that's a, a plus and a minus. Trump could get take all the oxygen in a room. Trump was a master of the quip and the witticism and the, and the insult and the nickname. And he, he was just amazing that way. And, and the establishment didn't know what to do about him. And they couldn't beat him until they invented mail-in ballots. Um, but that's not enough. They're going to jail. Here's the problem. It's just like the Russia, 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 Mueller inquiry. It's just like all the other walls closing. I don't know if you can even find that that montage. Maybe go on Twitter and type in Trump walls closing in just in the search bar. It's There's so many montages of... Um, and just click on video. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, um, click that one. Yeah, sure, just choose any of them. Just these... these uh, how many times he was... Done. Yeah, pump up the volume. 
bad for President Trump. Today was a turning point. A turning point. We're at a turning point here. The beginning of the end for the Trump presidency. The beginning of the end. And breaking news. We have another bombshell. Mike Pence might have to assume the office of the presidency. The call for impeachment. Rumblings of the word impeachment. Breaking news. Another bombshell out of the White House. I believe this is the beginning of the end. I do too. It's really the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. The beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. It reminds me a lot of the last days of Nixon. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic day and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? This is unbelievable. This is remarkable. Have you ever seen anything like this. His presidency is crippled. December 1st, 2017, you can mark it down. This is the day that everything changed. We begin with the bombshell. The beginning of the end. 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 The beginning. It goes on, but maybe you get the point. Uh, every huffing and puffing and the media bought every single bit of it. And, uh, it all amounted to nothing. Russiagate amounted to nothing. They spent, I don't know, $100 million investigating it. Nothing. Um, every so-called scandal. They finally got his tax returns, which I think is outrageous. And there's nothing in there. There was nothing there. Have, have you heard the scandal of Donald Trump's tax returns? No, because they were finally revealed against his wishes. Imagine that violation of privacy. And there was nothing there. Oh, we found secrets at Mar-a-Lago. There was nothing there. And um, those same documents were found in Hunter Biden's garage. Sorry, in Joe Biden's garage. The difference this time is that they've got an extremist DA who is willing to put together a pack of partisan Democrats to actually order the arrest of Trump. And when that happens, that will divide America in a way I don't think it's ever been divided, or perhaps since Watergate. Um, except for there really were crimes committed in Watergate. And, um, and by the way, the payments... The Stormy Daniels thing, which, like I say, is being litigated already, and Trump won all that litigation. It's got nothing to do with the presidency. It predates the presidency. This is just a, this is a targeting and a punishment of him. Just like when they raided Mar-a-Lago, never before had the FBI raided the compound or the house of a former president. If they arrest him, if they handcuff him, that will divide America in a way that hasn't happened since Nixon and the Vietnam War. That will confirm for half of America that the system is rigged, that you can't trust the system, you can't trust a cop, you can't trust the prosecutors, you can't trust the courts, you can't trust the media, 
You can't trust the establishment. It's all a stitch up. It, it, this is so obviously an inside job, so obviously baseless. Seriously, Stormy Daniels, that's all you got. That's what you got. That's what you got for an arrest. That's what you got. Nothing for Hunter Biden, nothing for Joe Biden. Of course not. But some Stormy Daniels business has already been litigated in the court of public opinion and the court of law. You're going to arrest handcuffed president for that. You know, after Richard Nixon lost to John F. Kennedy in 1960, it was very close. And it, I don't think it's controversial to say that the Democrats and Joe Kennedy um, bought, bought the election. It, it, there was such voter fraud. Uh, it, it was incredible. And I think everybody knew it. But Richard Nixon chose not to dispute the election. I don't know if you know this story. He said to challenge the election results, even though it was so close. What was the election? Well, yeah, give me the, give me the um, what's that called? The Electoral College. Oh, uh, click on the first link there. That first link in Politico. That actually might be relevant. The time Nixon's cronies tried to overturn a presidential election. The gambit was cynical and disruptive, but in the end, it didn't work. It didn't work because Nixon stopped it. Scroll down. Donald Trump is fanning the flame, blah, 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 blah. Richard Nixon, we're told, declined to challenge John F. Kennedy's razor-thin victory. Scroll down, scroll down. The 1960 election was extraordinarily close. Nixon, the sitting vice president, lost the popular vote to Kennedy by 113,000 votes out of 68 million cast. Zero point. In the Electoral College, Kennedy's margin was a healthier split, but in many individual states, the margins were slender as well. Everyone knew that Chicago Mayor Richard Daley, a key JFK ally, ran a powerful Democratic machine. That's code. That's media code for the Democrats cheated in Chicago was ever thus. It was perennially suspected of meddling in important races around Cook County. As numbers came in on election night, rumors circulated that Daly had put the thumb on the scales for Kennedy, who took Illinois by a mere 9,000 votes. There were questions about the vote count in Texas, too, where Kennedy eked out a victory by 46,000 votes out of 2.3 million cast, and where associates of Lyndon Johnson, Kennedy's running mate, were also reputed to interfere with the count. Rumors of having, che of having cheated in a tight Senate election in 1948 had given LBJ the nickname Landslide Lyndon. Together, Illinois and Texas had 51 electoral votes, moving them from Kennedy's column to Nixon would flip the election. You hear what I'm saying? It was so close in two states that JFK had locked up the corrupt Democrat machine in Chicago. It's always been corrupt for, for more than 100 years. And LBJ had Texas. Texas used to be Democrat, if you can believe it. So close. But Nixon, and you can see the hinting in it there, Nixon said, I will not challenge it because it would tear up this nation. And he would wait. He came, what, 0.2%, they said there? He waited and he ran in uh, 68, I think, right? In 60, it was Kennedy. Kennedy was assassinated. Then it was LBJ in 64. LBJ did not run again in 68. Nixon ran eight years later. Nixon 
imagine coming within 0.2%, knowing it was stolen, but saying, I will not challenge it because America could not handle that. And this was before Kennedy was assassinated. I think America could have and probably should have handled a challenge and an investigation in corruption, but Nixon thought differently. Nixon put America first. I don't care what Nixon did later. I'm making the point of in 1960, and by the way, I think Nixon was underrated, and Nixon was, um, and, and by the way, if you don't think that every president, especially on the Democrats, commits the same kind of shenanigans as Nixon did later, I think you're naive. Nixon put America first. He did not want to tear it up. George Soros doesn't, he's, he's a rootless cosmopolitan, as they sometimes say. Where does, where does Soros live? Does he live in New York? Does he live in London? Does he live in Hungary? Where does he, he doesn't care. These are all just cities to him, airports. He lives in New York. That's where his money is. But Soros believes in destroying things that get in his way, whether it's banks, currencies, or countries. And the idea of destroying America's civic unity does not bother George Soros one bit. Uh, Soros would rather welcome that. So the result, he would love the result of having Trump arrested and jailed. But even if things don't work out, he, he, he loves the process of weakening America. I'm talking about George Soros. Rootless cosmopolitan is sometimes a code word for Jew. And sometimes globalist is used that way too. And so people say you can't criticize George Soros for those two traits because it's anti-Semitic. I'm Jewish myself. In fact, I'm a much better Jew than George Soros is. He's, he's rather anti-Jewish and he says so. My criticisms of George have nothing to do with his ethnicity. In fact, I don't think he's ethnic in any meaningful way other than he was Hungarian. Um, he's certainly not uh, governed or, or shaped by his Judaism. Um, he's certainly hostile to Israel. Um, my criticisms of Soros are irrespective of his religion. He truly is the worst kind of globalist there is, whatever his religion is. I would say that about Bill Gates, too, who's not Jewish. George Soros is a menace who would destroy America if he could. He would rather conquer America but if he can't do that, he'll destroy it. Or ideally, he would do both. I think that if Trump is arrested, as it looks like it will happen, I think there are dark days ahead within America. And you hear talk about an American divorce. I don't know how that's even possible. I don't think that works. I mean, isn't that what the Civil War was? You, you don't get divorced as the United States. The country must remain together. But what if people just hate each other so much that there's nothing in common anymore and you can't get justice in each other's courts anymore. I, um, what, you know, I, I saw Matt Walsh talk about this and um, there's another fellow, I, I, Jesse, I just forgot his last name. Um, not Jesse Waters. There's another Jesse that I follow. Um, He's got his own talk show. He's a funny guy, ex-Marine. And um, yeah, there's Matt Walsh. Hey, can you pump that up a little bit? 
Eddie, if you find it, he talks about this, and both uh, Matt and Jesse, whose last name I can't recall. Um, scroll down a little, a little, 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 little bit more. And let me summarize it for you, even if we can't find it. Which he's talking about DeSantis's comments, which I, I can't find right here. But um, Matt Walsh and Jesse said the same thing. This will not stop until Republicans prosecute Democrat politicians in this. Jesse Kelly, that's who. This will not stop until Republicans start prosecuting Democrat politicians in the same way. Yeah, throw, throw some of that on the screen there. It was it was yesterday I saw it I think. Yeah, it's, it's not that important. I'm just trying to give credit to the guys who put the idea in my head. If the Republican side, if the Conservative Party of Canada side, just clucks in dismay and says, "Oh, that's not right," and we should this the only one side fights here i mean there was an example of who fomented the riots the black lives matter antifa riots for two years who did that why didn't anyone look into that why didn't why isn't the republican congress looking into it now republicans control the congress why aren't there independent counsel investigating the hunter biden matter not because hunter's important but because it's so clearly a conduit to joe biden why is it only Democrats who are fighting the Chicago way, as they would say? Why is it only Democrats who have investigations of Republicans? Why is it only Democrats who have grand juries and target Republicans? Is it because Republicans don't want to escalate the battle? Well, the battle's being escalated on the other side, can't you see? Why isn't... Nancy Pelosi or Paul Pelosi, her husband, why aren't they investigated for clearly inside trading? Um, there's so many things that the left does that the right just says, oh, there they go again. Those Democrats, I say. Uh, I mean, the corruption, the sheer financial corruption in this country. There's something to be said about that, but I think it goes to the point that, that Richard Nixon wanted to avoid it. Are, are you going to tear up the country? For the Democrats, the answer is you bet we will, because if we can't run this place, no one can. I'm going to read some super chats. Cheryl Don and uh, V says, "Hey, Ezra, caught you on Blaze TV. Congrats! How did you get across the border without the jab?" That's a great question. There are about seven different categories for getting into the United States if you are unjabbed, and I fit one of those categories. And I filled out the paperwork, and I got all the forms, and I went to the border. I, I filled it out in advance and I carried the proof of it on me and I was waiting for this stressful encounter and um, they didn't come. They just waved me through. They didn't even ask about it, even though I had all my paperwork in order. So I don't want to um, get into my personal details, but I, I went across the border legally. I can also say from various reports that the land crossings to America appear to don't even ask anymore. I, have, I haven't heard a report from anyone who has crossed at a land border at all. 
Now, when you cross by air, you have to fill out some forms digitally. And I did. And I was prepared to be turned away. And uh, I have not been turned away. So that's good. And I hope that if you try, that you're not turned away either. Bonnie Danilishin says, if all restaurant owners and businesses in Alberta had stood up like Chris Scott did, we wouldn't be in this mess right now. Oh, well, exactly. If we had all stood up to the masks, if we had all, if all the churches stayed open, if, if all of us did, but, but so few of us did. Isn't that the shame of it? Tracy McBurney, today I was 12 minutes late for court. This is the result. We were able to have your charge withdrawn due to lack of a reasonable prospect of conviction. Thanks, Jenna and the Democracy Fund. Well, thank you for that. And Fraser, it sounds like you were a client of the Democracy Fund for some lockdown or arrive can ticket. And that our friend Jenna, who is uh, the chief paralegal of the Democracy Fund, was there to help you. I'm very glad to hear that. The Democracy Fund, as you may recall from my interview with one of the lawyers, Adam Blake Gallopo, the other day, now represents 2,500 people. And Fraser, I'm glad one of them is you, and I'm glad you had the good result. Ableist SL says regressive leftist propaganda streamer and the Young Turks affiliate Hassanabi was caught using the services of a German brothel, later investigated for sex trafficking, and made excuses about it several times. All right, well, I don't know who Hassanabi is, and I don't know the veracity of the charges, you're saying. It sounds very embarrassing and maybe illegal as well, and if there's human trafficking, that's obviously deeply unethical. I just don't know any of the facts of the people involved, and, and I should state that because I, I don't want to, um, with conviction, state that a crime was committed if I don't know any of the facts. But thank you for airing that. We'll have to check into it. Well, my friends, it is 2 o'clock, and um, we still have two chats. Let me just reload the latest ones there. Is it? Are you putting them in the um, live stream? Oh, a direct message to me. Okay. Let me read those. Funus. That's a good name. It says, 15-minute cities proved to work really well for a different group of socialists with the ghettos in World War II. All that's left is to put a wall around the 15-minute city. You know what? That's, um, that's a, a shocking analogy, but uh, I should say... What struck my mind is the Berlin Wall. It, it's so crazy. I believe we're covering the story quite well. We've covered it in Canada, and we've covered really the, a lot of the front line, and this seems to be in the United Kingdom, Oxfordshire and places like that. We've had reporters on the ground out there. And um, one last one if uh, from World's Worst Gamer. If Trudeau can't be removed after the latest scandal, then I don't know what to say other than Canada's dead. Treason is not tolerable in any nation. I'm doing my whole show tonight at 8 p.m. on that very subject, on the subject of Trudeau. And I, I'll just, let me skip to the end. Trudeau has appointed his family friend, David Johnson, to investigate him. Uh, so we know how that's going to end. Trudeau's refusing to allow his chief of staff Katie Telford to testify about what she knew. Um, the liberals are blocking inquiries in parliament and the NDP are collaborating with them. So how's this going to end? How will Justin Trudeau lose? How will he be kicked out? He won't. When was the last time he ever 
took responsibility for anything or paid any price for things. When he sexually assaulted Rose Knight, he just stood up in Parliament and said, oh, she experienced a different You know what I mean? You know, and he got away with it. He skated. When he did blackface, oh, we, we all have a learning moment. You know, he, this is an opportunity for the country to learn. The country needs to do better. How many times has he broken the Conflict of Interest Act? And, and all his crooked cronies followed the example of the boss, giving contracts to friends, jobs to friends. So, so, so how's it going to end with, except for him brazening it out? In a way, that destroys our social cohesiveness in this country too, doesn't it? What, the liberal backbench is going to have an uprising? And choose whom is their leader? Christia Freeland? By the way, what did she know? Yeah. I'm worried about this Trump thing. I think it's going to pull America apart at the seams even more. I hope you tune into my show tonight. I, uh, I really go deep on it, and I, and I talk about some global warming stuff too. That's at 8 p.m. If you go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe, it's eight bucks a month. Every weeknight, I do a monologue that we produce and then do a guest interview, and then I read my fan mail or hate mail, whichever there is. And uh, by the way, that eight bucks a month, we rely on it because we don't take any government money, unlike 99% of our competitors. That's our live stream for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, goodbye. Keep fighting for freedom extradition to New York. So I've seen rumors swirl. I have not seen any facts uh, yet. And so I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this, the the Manhattan district attorney is a Soros funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, sky, the, the crime rate go up and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so you're talking about this situation with, and look, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims are ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that these Soros DAs bring to their job. They ignore crime and they empower criminals, and that hurts people. It hurts a lot of people every single day. The Soros district attorneys are a menace to society, and I'm just glad that I'm the only governor in the country that's actually removed one
from office during my tenure.